Welcome to Hard Sell, a podcast where my friend and I give each other the hard sell on a piece of media that we enjoy, such as a podcast, a video game, a set of albums, or a sports documentary. My name is Cody Morin. My name's Tim Bloom. And I'm Cozy Hanula. Now, Tim, I thought uh, you and I should, and possibly Cozy, I don't know if you've dipped your toes in, but I thought we should geek out over something today that I know that we're, is a piece of media that you and I are both uh, pretty engaged in recently sure and that is marvel snap yeah sure that is yes. not where i thought this segment was going if i'm being honest <laughs> where did i'm curious where you thought it was going the wow expansion no oh that's you know I that's I very not fair want to talk about wow on the podcast i don't want <laughs> Maybe. anyone to i don't want to be responsible for anyone getting into world of warcraft i think maybe like uh, if we, when, not if, when we get, uh, you know, AOTC ahead of the curve for anyone who doesn't know WoW lingo in, sure. in our, uh, guild, that maybe we, it can be like a footnote, but, there we uh, go. no. We can ha- celebrate, but <laughs> yes. But no, I'm, uh, interested in chatting about Marvel Snap because, boy, this is a pretty good game and I was not expecting, uh, to enjoy another Marvel mobile game this much. It's literally so good. It's it's I don't play a lot of like card games. So for anybody who doesn't know, it's like a it's basically a card game. Like so imagine mm-hmm. like Hearthstone or like Magic the Gathering or something like that. Um where you have like hands and you play cards and you try to more or less you try to get more points than the other person and that's it. Uh there are a thousand games basically like this. I've played all of them. But I have also <laughs> bounced off all of them. This one, I have played so much of this game, and it's so addictive. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so it's both simple and the strategies are complex. When I lose, I don't feel angry, but when I yeah. win, I'm happy. Like. And even know. when I lose, there are some times when, like, I can see how incredibly outplayed I was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just as an example, uh, so a good a good high power card to have out on your field at the end of a round, you might have one that's, like, 10 to 12 powers. Like, is like, pretty good for a single card. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one round where uh, you one of the locations on the field, because each location has different effects and there's three locations in a round. It's all random. Mm-hmm. One of them, you would play a card and it would uh, play that same card randomly in another location. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played a card there that destroyed one of my own cards, making it stronger twice. Yep. Uh, but then my opponent at the same time played a card that uh, copied a random card from my hand, which of course then selected that extremely strong card uh, <laughs> and played that same 16 power card in turn three of six yep. uh, in two locations on the board. And I immediately knew that there was nothing yep. I could do That's to come back and that win. Retreat real quick. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so good. Like it's, it's f- funny, but also f- again, I feel smart when I win, but I don't mm-hmm. feel awful when I lose. Uh, and it's so fast. Every game is like three to five minutes, basically. Yeah. And you, you match make immediately. There's no waiting for games. You click play and you're into the game. Like it's, it's, I don't know. It's, I don't care about the Marvel piece of it. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. The monetization is perfect. I'm, 
I've been paying for the battle pass, so it's like ten dollars a month or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but I feel zero pressure to like pay for anything else. I don't. It's not meaningfully gated behind money, and I've not once been tempted to spend any other money than just like the ten dollars a month. Yeah, because I don't think there's even any other way to get, like, a specific card that you don't have. You can get, like, a variant of a card you don't have. Yeah. And you can you can level up cards, but I don't think you can use the, like, paid currency for that. I think you use the free currency you get from playing. Well, to you can, you the can use the paid currency to buy more free currency. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, literally no desire to do that, like, yeah. even as an option. Um, no, it's it doesn't feel super predatory. It doesn't. I just last hard sell talked about how I have zero willpower and spend too much money on mobile <laughs> games, and I have yeah. not once bought anything other than just like the monthly battle pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've got you know I've got like a Google Rewards money that I haven't spent on a, in a long time because I haven't played many mobile games. Yeah, so I have like forty dollars in there that's just sure. free Google Play money that I've just used that. It's and, a lot of battle passes, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's... Uh, I haven't had as much fun, because I've also tried a number of different, like, e-collectible card games like this. Yeah. And I haven't had as much fun with any of them as I have with this since there was early on in the life of Hearthstone, there was uh, a deck that was mm-hmm. built around a, a card called the Grim Patron, Mm-hmm. Where his yeah. whole deal was if you if he was dealt damage but not killed, it would spawn another one of him on your board, so you'd build your whole board around damaging your own minions to fill your board with this one one character. Mm-hmm. Uh and it was a blast when it worked. Uh and there I think I sent you a screenshot of one of mine uh one of my finished boards from this game a couple nights ago mm-hmm. where i got uh one character to a ludicrous power level yeah uh, what was it was it the, like 256 256 and as cody talked I, about 12 <laughs> is a high power level yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes because it's it, very <laughs> there because the locations are random and if you just line up if you get the perfect lineup of effects mm-hmm. you can just steamroll someone or they can do it to you and it's like I don't really care when I lose because the consequences are pretty negligible. Yeah, I mean, I have decks that like I don't play with them to win. I play with them to complete the like battle pass objectives. Yeah, the little quests. Yeah, it's it is. Um, I think the deck building stuff also works better. Like you can do that kind of stuff because the decks are twelve cards. So often, mm-hmm. like these deck building games are a lot of cards. You're factoring in a ton of things. Like. It's 12 cards, and, you know, if I'm going to do, like, a destroy deck where, like Cody said, there's decks where you, like, empower your people by destroying them or discarding cards or whatever, it's not that hard to just sort of, like, look at the cards, see which ones they discard, and just sort of, like, pick 12 of them of different costs, and it's probably basically fine. And, like, there's lots of room to customize without feeling like you need to, like theory craft or Mm -hmm. do some sort of deep analysis yeah um i'm curious cozy have you i know you've played some card games particularly i know you've played inscription in the past which is a little different uh but has some 
you know, it's got some deck building elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you tried Marvel Snap at all, or what is your experience with some other like card games like this, if any? Um, I've not played Marvel Snap, so I don't really know what the uh, experience is. I do kind. Of, I like deck builders generally, but like games like Magic the Gathering are way too complicated, mm. and I don't love. I've never really gotten into those. Uh, but I like. Um, there are some like deck building roguelikes that I like. Inscription was really good. Cody, you have to finish that. Um, <laughs> it's on. It's on the list, and yeah, it's. It's uh-huh. you know because of this game. It has climbed my list further to go back and finish, and also to pick up um, Slay the Spire, because I've heard really good things about that. Oh, I love Slay the Spire. That was the other one I was going to say. It's really good. I think you specifically will like that game. I know Tim doesn't love Slay the Spire, because he's not into roguelikes that much, Mm -hmm. but... uh, uh, If if you like deck builders and roguelikes, that's a really, really good game. Um, The other... The only physical card game that i ever really got into that's similar is the um pokemon trading card game i was very into that as a kid so that's my main experience with like physical trading card games i did i did talk about this game with cozy and the answer cozy gave me was i don't have time to play another mobile game um which is yeah to got me really addicted to the stupid star wars galaxy <laughs> game i don't have time for another mobile game in my life you should try this one at least, though, Cozy. I think because oh I do think you because it's so quick, it's so it, fast, it really and is. it's so low impact. Can uh, I put so it down simple. for months and then pick it back up again, or is it like yes. you have to play every day forever? You no, because here's here's the fascinating thing they do about matchmaking. So the people you play are grouped based on what cards they have, and the cards are sort of sorted into like pools. So you as you you can only get cards based on sort of like the level you have and then once you get to a high enough level you it it doesn't say like you've unlocked the second pool of cards but mm-hmm. it it opens up for you after you've unlocked everything in pool 1 um and you are match made with people in and around your level so you can put it down and you will never be behind it doesn't there's no like treadmill that unless you're buying the battle pass to like finish the battle pass quests in time before it expires mm-hmm. there's no treadmill you need to get on where it feels like you're going to miss out yeah i i just got to pool 2 that's that's the level i'm at so, and immediately got my deck decimated by a, someone with uh, killmonger <laughs> who destroys all one cost cards on the board yeah that that's painful when you're running a deck <laughs> with a lot of one cost cards so what level yeah. are you now cody uh i think 230 okay sure that's where i'm at now yeah and that's that's sort of like past the be- you you're not a beginner you're like an intermediate player at that point yeah I am level six oh nine. I was curious how where how you had gotten to since the last time I asked you about it. Yes, I've played too much of this game because it because it me playing too much of this game means fifteen minutes a day. Like yeah, it's so it's so fast, and that is that is the biggest thing for me. Of like, I'm playing World of Warcraft and I'm waiting for a dungeon queue and I like knock out four quests in five minutes like it, it's yeah. so quick or like I started a pot of water for noodles <laughs> and I'm waiting for the water to start boiling oh I have three minutes to play a game right could like, 
we be experiencing the world outside of our phones in that time? Maybe. <laughs> but no. Marvel Snap is happening in the background. Yeah, it has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of uh, experiencing the world in a weird way, I don't know. That's not good. Uh, <laughs> not the best, but not the worst. <laughs> but that's where we're going. Uh, Tim, last episode, I pitched you a twofer of the Scott Pilgrim movie and comics. Um, I know I had uh, kind of said that you didn't necessarily have to finish all of the comics, uh-huh. uh, but I'm curious if you did. I did. I read all six okay. comics. It's just six, I, correct? It is six, yeah. Okay. And I was so I at that time I had not finished rereading them. I had reread mm. the first two mm-hmm. after not having read them for like a number of years, and I refinished the whole series. Yeah. And so I'm glad you did finish them because I I think the book the book series adds a lot. Uh, that's potentially more interesting over the movie, but I'm sure we'll get into your thoughts on that here as we talk about it. So I will let you take it away. Yes, because I have thoughts. So, um, yes, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is a... I'm going to talk about the comic first, because I think it's most helpful to just like talk about the comic and then talk about the mm-hmm. movie. Um the plot of both, but the plot of the comic is that Scott Pilgrim is a 22-year-old. He is a bassist in a shitty indie rock band called Sex Bomb-Omb. The Bomb-Omb's being the little bombs that walk around from Mario, obviously. Um, the comic starts as he begins to date Knives Chow, a high schooler. So I did look up the age of consent in Canada is 16. <laughs> Um, okay however my first note my very first bullet in my thing is this is dating a high schooler is very weird clear he's a loser plus his bandmates are losers as well um and that is the perspective that the comic book has to be clear that like he is he's He's a loser. This is a yeah. this is a comic book about someone who's not uh, not uh, doing well for themselves, and like just not like the best person in general either. Like, yeah, and but not it. It's it. He's not evil. He's a twenty two. Yes, he's yeah. He's not like bad or evil. He just yeah. He doesn't have his things together. He's just dumb. Kinda he's dumb. a twenty two year old. Yeah. Um. And this is this is the thing that happens. He he dates Knives Chow, a seventeen year old who's like totally obsessed with him. And like, it, this is the guy. Like, this is everybody knows this person who's like the guy who's like out of high school and like still kind of hanging around and like has a high school girlfriend usually who's way more into him than. He hit, like, you know, I'm picturing yeah. a face of somebody I knew from high school. I'm pretty sure every high school had that guy, and that is who this person is. Yep. Um, I think a little less sleazy. There's there's less sleep. He uh, is basically dating Knives Chow because she asked him out, it seems like, and he just sort of was single, so just kind of said yes. I think at some point somebody asks if they've had sex, and he said, we've almost held hands. Yep. Um so he's he's not super invested in this relationship. Um he rooms with Wallace Wells, 
uh, their apartment is not big enough to have more than one bed, so they both sleep in this bed on the floor. Um, he eventually stumbles upon an Amazon delivery girl named Ramona Flowers, becomes totally infatuated with her. Uh, and then basically, so this all happens in the first third of the first comic. Yep. He basically gets with Ramona, asks her out, uh, orders a package from Amazon to get her to come to his door, uh, basically convinces her to go out with him. They start a relationship, and then he is forced to do battle with her seven evil exes in order to continue dating her. And that is the plot of the rest of the comic, basically. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, there's no real indication, I don't think, at all from her as to, like, why she even goes along with this being, like, a thing. She fights back more in the comics than she does in the movie against, like, the exes, because she gets into a number of fights in the comics against them as well. Yeah. Uh, but because you... you figure out that like one guy one of her exes set up the whole league mm-hmm. and i don't think there's really an ever a reason beyond that that like he didn't want anyone else to date her basically that like this has to happen but yeah and she's just sort of fine with this yeah um, <laughs> i i have two thoughts on that so i don't think if there's something specific you want to talk about, we can definitely talk about it. I don't feel the need to spoil this story over the course of talking about this. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the story is that important, to be honest. Like, I don't think... I both, like, don't think there's a lot there, and I don't think it wants there to be a lot there. Yeah. Um. Because, yeah, like you said, this this just sort of is happening... Scott gets attacked at a show by Matthew Patel, the first ex-boyfriend, and then is told that he is going to need to fight all seven evil exes. Ramona kind of shrugs. And I think there are two things that I think about that. One is a criticism, which is Ramona is not a real character. Uh, (laughs) At no point in the comics or movies does Ramona feel like anything other than a plot device. Like, I can't pin down what Ramona's vibe is. She has colorful hair, and she seems vaguely cool. I know that I'm supposed to think that she's cool, because she's kind of, like, chill. But, like, I don't know... If you ask me, like, what Ramona's personality is really like or like what her political beliefs probably are or like what her i can't really tell you anything about her the the story is about scott and to a lesser extent scott's band and to a lesser extent knives chow it's not actually about ramona and she's really just kind of like there as a device yeah, I feel like a number of the other characters in the story have, like, more depth, have more interesting, like, character arcs through the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll try to steer away from, like, 
big spoilers, but like there is a chunk where she just like disappears mm-hmm. and is gone for like a while. Yeah. Um, and I think that a, a number of the other characters have more interesting like backgrounds and stuff than like most of the stuff centered around Ramona specifically. It's yeah. like she's there. She's there to exist to drive the story along for the other characters. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, she herself is not the most interesting character in the story. Yeah. And I think because you sort of said that, I think like she does disappear. And I, I guess this is sort of a spoiler, but like her arc, as best as I could tell, if I were to try to describe Ramona's arc, is like deciding not to run away. I guess like there, yeah. at least in the comics, it doesn't really, that's not true in the movie, but at least in the comics, that's kind of the arc. But like, yeah, the ending is a bit different between the two, the way yeah, the that they handle that, but ending's a little different and the vibe's a little different, but like in the comic, that is kind of the arc of like, I'm going to fight for this or I'm, I'm not going to run away this time, but two yeah. things, one at no point did is there was there something driving that at no point does it explain like what is making her run away or like did in the past and two all of her exes are evil and awful so <laughs> that's not running that's just breaking up with a bad partner like um so you know i, I there's no evidence that ramona is like a serial commitment phobe uh she just has had bad relationships. And so like it, her arc just like broadly doesn't work in general. Like I just don't, it doesn't make sense. Um, the reason it doesn't make sense is because of what this comic and show is. So I got through most of the first book and I was having like, I got to the point where Matthew Patel attacks, uh, Scott. Yep. Uh, and I have written, uh, what the fuck is even going on, lol. <laughs> um, yep. I truly, like, everything else is just sort of, like, in the world. Like, it's set in the real world. It seems grounded. It seems basically normal. Uh, and then all of a sudden, a uh, man comes up and starts throwing fireballs at Scott. And the audience at the show, when he's playing in a show... And the audience both simultaneously seems horrified and also like this is just a regular thing. Yep. In like an impossible way. There are people like running and screaming and also people being like, oh, another fight. And also people being like, like cheering. Wallace starts like heckling them. Um, I couldn't tell what was happening. Uh, And then it just sort of hit me. I think the author had i like read into the the back of the first book and he was like basically what i wanted to do was like create a shonen anime set in toronto uh with a slightly more grounded relatable topic and i was like oh this is a saturday morning cartoon that that is the thing this is i analyzing this would be like trying to analyze the powerpuff girls (laughs) because that is like the level of depth that the story is it's just like shut your brain off there's kind of a plot arc in the same way that the powerpuff girls kind of have a plot arc but like 
it's it's really just like a vehicle for like lights and sound and jokes. And I think I had mentioned that a little bit about the movie, just yeah. that it's like a like a popcorn, you know, mm-hmm. like just like that kind of like action e to some extent movie that like is fun, but isn't like it's not like super heavy make you think kind of story. Like no, um, you know, it's the the movie clicked for me when I was you know when it came out. I think in twenty ten. Yeah, I think so. Um, cause it was just like the music that their band plays was like similar to like the style of some like rock bands that I listened to at the time. Yeah. Um, I was really big into metric at that time, uh, who is the band that did the song that the clash at demon head plays. Mm. Uh, and, um, just like, me in high school at that time, like all of the like video game references and like the style of like humor and all the stuff like really clicked with me then. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, I don't know if I was just, if I was just seeing this movie for the first time now, I don't know if it would still hold up as well. Like there's a nostalgia factor to it for me now with like, you know, between the movie, the comics, and then the piece I didn't pitch you, which was the video game. Sure. Um, that, like, just the whole family of media worked for me at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it is it is definitely not, like, you know, uh, the most engaging uh, mentally <laughs> of a piece of media that we've discussed on this podcast before. Yeah, and, like that's okay. It just means it is the thing it is, which is just like, um, you know, I think I said this about old man's war also of like, I learned to just like shut my brain off and like flip through it. Um, the difference is I think this book wants me to do that. Like, like when I, I got to, I read the last five comics much quicker, not combined, but individually like much quicker than I read the first one. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of like flipping through, letting it wash over me, imagining I'm on the high school bus in the morning, just sort of like flicking through rather than like trying to predict the plot or yeah. take anything away. Like originally when, when, cause I knew the vague plot, I knew this was about Scott, like fighting exes and cozy. And I chatted about this. Cozy also, Cozy, did you read all of them, or did you read, like, one of them and watch the movie? You read, like, two and a half of the comics, yeah. Cozy read a little bit and then watched the movie, and we both had the same sort of, like, guess going into it, which was, like, it was kind of a metaphor of, like, getting over past relationship trauma Mm -hmm. or, like, getting over insecurities by, like, fighting your exes, Um no, it's it's literally just like fighting your. There's no metaphor. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no, or if there is, it's terrible. So I'm gonna assume there's not. Um, <laughs> and by terrible, I don't mean problematic. I mean just like so badly done that I can't tell if there is one. Um, I really don't think there is. I really think it is just kind of goofs. And if that is the thing, it is. That is the thing, it is. And that is fine. It just is a different thing than what I normally watch. So it was interesting to to dig into it. 
Um, I do think your point about like the era is definitely true. There's definitely, it is very, very much conscious of like when it is set, which is basically like in the late nineties. I think the comic came out in the early two thousands, like 2003 or four or something like that. Yeah. I think the first one came out around then. And then I think they came out like yearly until the last one came out like 2007 or eight, something like that. Yeah, and this has this has big late nineties, early aughts vibes. The the sense of humor is very like millennial. Mm-hmm. The the just references the idea of like American Amazon delivery person being like kind of a new cool job <laughs> in two thousand three. Um is just very funny the the style of music like you said the sort of like 22 year old rock band it felt very um it did it did feel sort of nostalgic to me like it's it's a it's a genre piece it's it's like a time stamp piece the the 90s are like a character in and of themselves in both the comics and the movie yeah um, and I think the other, the, speaking of the genre, the other part of it that I like, mm-hmm. um, just because it, I like things similar to this, um, are like slice of life, uh, specifically usually like anime or mm-hmm. sometimes comics and stuff like that. But it's like, um, comics that just like show like an everyday life of a person. Like a lot of this comic ends up being that it's just kind of like a day in the life of Scott and his friends and stuff. And then it has like the, uh, you know, random, uh, samurai dad coming at you with a katana in the street, uh, (laughs) thrown in the middle. Yeah. Um, but (laughs) like a, a lot of it is the slice of life piece uh there is an anime that i watched uh called a certain scientific railgun which i probably will not pitch you uh (laughs) but it's kind of like a similar like a lot of it is like the this group of high schoolers just like a lot of episodes are just kind of like their day-to-day lives and then there are like arcs thrown in where they have their, you know, it's like a superhero high school, like very typical, like stereotypical anime, um, where like there are episodes thrown in that is like them or their friends, like getting just like decimated or mm-hmm. like clones of one of them getting slaughtered and they have to fight back and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then it just goes back to like the slice of life pieces. And I don't know, for some reason, like the, the way that they mix like the low and high action um and like the like learning about the characters kind of in like the lower action situations and seeing how they react in the high stress situations mm-hmm. uh is just something i've found interesting across a couple different pieces of media but mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, like, the the place, like, I also really like that kind of thing. I think one of the places that does it really well are, like, the Persona games, especially, mm. like, Persona yep. 5 of, like, you're bouncing back and forth between a school. I've only played Persona 5, so I, I know things about Persona 4, but I've only played 5, mm-hmm. and it's it's a similar game where, like, 
you are going to school and you're a student and you're meeting other students and then at night you are phantom thieves and you put on masks and you infiltrate people's subconscious and make them admit to all the terrible things they've done (laughs) and it's a similar sort of like snip snap snip snap back and forth from like very normal slice of life to like very sort of like metaphysics superhero style vibes yeah Um, persona 4 is very similar except uh instead of being a phantom thieves you're uh jumping into your tv Sure, sure. Pretty pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the difference for me is I think Persona 5, to be honest, I just think those games are better written. When I was, mm. like, reading the writing of this comic, like, I have a lot of notes that are just sort of vaguely, like, I'm not really buying Ramona and Scott's romance. Like, I don't. Yeah. Their, like, dialogue is not that great. The humor didn't work that well for me. Like I could, I understood what it was going for. Like I, I didn't not get the joke, but it didn't, it did, just didn't really click for me. I was like, I understand that this is supposed to be funny, but I, and it's, it wasn't like a f- generally offensive. There are a couple pieces, but I think like it just was kind of fine. There was like a diagram showing who owned the various things in the apartment that made me laugh but that was in like truly one of the first frames and then that was like the funniest thing in the comics <laughs> um yeah a- a- and so like i just wasn't that impressed generally with like the quality of writing of like of these different characters of the you know and i said there's no story it, it doesn't want there to be a story but i think if you're gonna do that then i need to like care about the characters and i have lots of like uh, Ramona's too good for Scott. Everyone is too good for Scott. Um, <laughs> yep. But also, like, Scott is also the hero. Like, I, who am I rooting for? Like, I don't care about... Like, my my takeaway sort of flipping through is, like, maybe it would be better if he just, like, loses and everyone just kind of goes their separate ways. Like, I don't... Uh, I just... it. I didn't find it that compelling, to be honest. Like, the comic wasn't funny enough to like get me to not care about the characters in the story and the characters in the story kind of were like barely there. Like even, even like the words they used, it started to hit me. Like everybody just sort of like says the obvious thing in like very small words, like the, the vocabulary used in these comics (laughs) is like very limited. It's very simple straightforward easy to digest sentences which is not i don't always need things to be like political theory but i was kind of like there's not really a lot for me to like grab on to in in the book or a lot to like keep me um you know because it's six comics that i'll take you know somewhere between 30 minutes and an hour to read so it's somewhere between four and six hours of content to like focus on. And it's a book, so I can't like have it on in the background. Right. Uh, And I was by the end of the second comic, I was getting, I was kind of like, I'm, you know, that's when I like really started to flip quickly and more like skim than hardcore read. Cause I'm just kind of like, I, I kind of get it. The humor is all kind of the same. The story's sort of there. Um, I'm kind of just here to like see what happens and like see the colors and pictures and whatever. <laughs> sure. Um, 
Yeah, and I can definitely understand that. It is, you know, like we've already covered, it's not like um, I'm having trouble thinking. I mean, it is the thing it is. Yeah, it is the thing it is. You know, that that is what it is. And, like, if it works for you, then it works for you. And, like, the comic stuff just didn't... It's just not, like, my style of writing within the comic, really. Um, And, you know, at least for that medium... Um, so then the other part of this, unless you had anything else to talk about about the comic specifically. No, is just last thing the on the movie. language. I mean, I, I I referenced it briefly, but like this is a comic written by a Canadian dude in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, and it reads like that. There's some really dated like references and stuff. There's lots of like R words thrown around everywhere. Yes, there uh, are. There's like the way that it handles Scott's roommate Wallace is gay. And like, I guarantee you that when this came out in 2003, 2004, it was thought of as being like super progressive because (laughs) Scott Pilgrim like sleeps in a bed with a gay roommate and he treats it like it's, I mean, people don't treat it like it's normal that he has one bed with his roommate, but it's, it's because he has one bed with his roommate as opposed to, really one bed with his gay roommate kind of yeah but also wallace is never described as a person wallace is always described as a gay person on every page like yeah only characteristic is being gay there's a whole like one of uh ramona's exes is a woman and like it's it is very much like fetishized and it is it's it's fetishized by Scott in a way to like show that Scott's kind of a loser, but it's also kind of yes. fetishized by the author. Um, I, again, this is definitely a comic that when it came out in 2004 would have been thought of as being like pretty progressive and it, it's pretty dated reading. Yeah. By 2022 standards, not, uh, not quite so much. No, none of it is like hateful or, like yeah. super bigoted and some of the stuff around like chow's race uh knives uh-huh. chow is like pretty stereotypical and like not great especially like knowing this is a comic written by someone named brian leo malley um <laughs> so you know nothing nothing that made me want to like protest or like throw yeah it's not like it's not like super offensive but it is it is very like of when it was written for sure yeah and Uh, it's it's yeah there's definitely some dated both topics and like language terminology yeah um but that's kind of my last thought about the comic so then i went to the movie um the movie starts as a base not a shot for shot recreation of the comic because it like skips things but the first like 30 minutes of both like shots and dialogue are pulled almost straight from the comic yeah um from like the first mostly the first comic yeah the the first first half of the movie is like the first comic basically yeah um it worked so much better for me um in the movie Uh, oh yes by way by far when i there's a moment where knives chow walks in the door and michael sarah's scott pilgrim says let me get your coat for you and she hands him her coat and he just throws it on the floor (laughs) yeah and it i like cracked up laughing and that is a thing that happens in the comics but like 
it, it just like works better when you look yeah. at this cast. And again, it, it literally, I just criticized the writing of the comic, which I stand by. I don't think is done very well. Um, but like the cast of this, Michael Sarah Scott Pilgrim, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is Ramona flowers. Kieran Culkin, who is absolutely excellent in, in succession is plays Wallace Wells. Chris Evans is one of the exes. Anna Kendrick <laughs> is Scott's sister. Brie Larson is is one of Scott's exes. Like, there's just, like, heavy hitter after it, yeah. heavy hitter within this cast. It's like a weird powerhouse cast. Yeah. For, and it's just, like, for this comic. Yeah, and it's just one of those things of, like, maybe if you just get a bunch of, like, charismatic people who are all funny themselves and good actors, the material doesn't matter that much. And you kind of just <laughs> let them like do their thing. Like all of the actors seemed like they were having fun in this movie. Yeah. And I think that really matters because the dialogue itself is not good. It remains not good. The like relationship yeah. <laughs> between Ramona and Scott still is like very thin and like, barely there and i like didn't really buy it but like it did seem like michael sarah and mary elizabeth winstead like had some chemistry and were sort of like enjoying being in this role and like if i'm watching a popcorn movie that's kind of all i really need like is just sort of like fun goof times and the goof stuff just worked like this is not the funniest movie i've ever seen but like it was funny as, as opposed to the comic. So like that stuff really worked better for me. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I had talked about when I pitched it, like some of the editing, you know, th- a lot of times that when you see a comic book movie, uh, recent, like anytime recently, a lot of what you think of as like a Marvel or a DC movie, which like tries to like tell the story of like a comic book character, you know, in a cinematic fashion. Yeah. Whereas like this, when you say it pulls shot for shot to some extent from the comics, there literally are scenes that like look ripped straight out of the comic books. Like there is a scene just after, uh, Scott's breakup between girlfriends where he's like sitting on a bus. And if you like held those two scenes from the com, if you took the scene from the comic book and just, like, instead of having it in the page, just having it, like, in a strip, in a line, and just, like, moved it across. Like, it looks like the movie. Yeah. Um, so, I like, those kinds of things I enjoyed in how they pulled stuff from the comic books along with, like, casting choices that, like, fit the characters of the comics the way that they had been pictured in the comics. Mm-hmm. Like to really make it feel at certain points like the comic come to life in a sense. Yeah. And I think the thing they did with casting is they do fit, but they're like the most over exaggerated versions of all the things. Like you're casting Mm -hmm. like a 22 year old loser who's dating a high schooler. Like get me Michael Sarah. Like, (laughs) you know, you're casting like a sort of pretentious, 
action movie star who's like charismatic and a good action movie star but like maybe not that good of an actor like get me chris evans like there's they (laughs) you find like the most of that thing you find like a pop star and it's like brie larson and these these are all people like before they were super famous like you know chris evans had been the human torch at this point and michael Sarah had been like in a lot of you know michael Sarah was in the midst of his like big moment in the early 2000s in a bunch of like teen movies but um in general it's a lot of people the casting was just like really well done to like super exaggerate everything that like Mm -hmm. helped me figure out who these characters are there's no nuance to brie larson's envy adams at all no uh but if i'm watching a cartoon that's fine i i don't really need the nuance some of the stuff that worked the worst for me in the comics was like you know, Envy Adams was Scott's ex-girlfriend, and there's kind of like a back and forth as they both work to move on there. And I'm like, I don't really get who these characters are because they're not really written that well, and I just don't care. Uh, you know, it's it's I just am not buying it. And so when they make her just like a super, super over-the-top, like, you know, it just works better. If they tr- they treated it like a live-action cartoon... And it yeah. is framed like that, it's shot like that, it's edited like that, the special effects are cartoony on purpose, like, and it just works better if you just lean into, like, you don't try to make it good, you just try to make it the thing it is, and it it does that thing. I'm curious if the comics worked better for me having seen the movie first, because I saw the movie... And then learned that the movie was based on the comics and then went and read the comics. Yeah. And so when I read the comics, it was with the characters of the movie in my head as mm-hmm. I was reading them. And I'm curious if that like helped me more at all, mm-hmm. if it would have done anything for you, or if it's just because I'm uh, more easily pleased by flashing lights and colors. I mean, I think both <laughs> might be true. I, I, I think the inverse also could be true. Because the movie is, uh, you know, it's it's a little less than two hours, mm-hmm. and I just said the first half is the first of six comics, and so the last comics are super truncated and, like, super quick, and yes. as I was watching it, I was sort of like, I don't know if I would be able to, like, I could barely even follow what's going on right now if I didn't hadn't just read... Oh, the comics also of like sure this and granted it's a cartoon so maybe it doesn't matter if i can follow it <laughs> but like yeah uh i i kind of think it's but i do think that the, like they in concert both probably help each other like i think i yeah. probably liked the movie if i had just watched this movie without reading the comic i think a large part of me would have been like what in the hell did i just watch <laughs> yeah uh, and I think probably like kind of vice versa. Yeah, and that was that was kind of my thinking a little bit when I pitched you both at the same time. Yeah. Um because yeah, I I thought that they like complemented each other well. And you know, when I pitched it, I was focused more on like the editing piece of like transitioning from one to the other. But yeah, I think I think they work better together than apart. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, other notes in the movie, I liked the music. I think the music might have been too good. 
I, I like wanted <laughs> Sex Bomb Bomb to be worse. I like, yeah. wanted the different musicians to be worse. And I, like the lyrics are dog shit. But like, oh, the, they're garbage. The it's, music, it's literally nothing. The yeah, but the whole movie is literally nothing. So it's fine. <laughs> but like the the music was like good. I was like bopping my head to it. And this is the part where like being a '90s kid is working on me, probably. Of like, this is the music that I like grew up listening to every uh-huh. single teen movie from the 90s to early 2000s was like this kind of like rock sort of like shitty nirvana style yeah music that i've like i'm like getting into it and i'm like i think i'm supposed to think they're shitty but like this is like kind of good yeah uh and so that you know it I would say it, like, ruined the immersion, but I don't know that this movie, like, cared if I'm immersed, really. It just sort of, like, yeah, is happening. <laughs> um, speaking of the music, so one thing that I did think was interesting, in, like, the way that this whole movie just came together, mm-hmm. um, there's a blurb in the back of, I think it was the third comic, which is the one that focused more on Envy Adams, mm-hmm. um, that... Brian had he had based her the like looks of her character around Emily Haynes who mm. is the front woman for Metric who they then for the movie got to record uh, the song that like Envy Adams band plays interesting um, although I do <laughs> I I've always thought uh ironically even though I liked Metric uh, that Brie Larson's version was better yeah. <laughs> of this particular song. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it's just, I just thought it was interesting that like, you know, this one random comic that I, you know, because I didn't read it until after the movie came out, I never knew like how big it was in the like comic scene. Um, like I knew they always were at like comic con and stuff, but I don't know like how big and anticipated it was, but the fact that this like one comic, you know, resulted in a, a movie of a $60 million budget where they got like one of my favorite bands at the time to like do a song for them. And, and then the totally flopped at the box office, of course, but, um, yeah, I think they've more than made that up in uh, sales later mostly on merch more than anything else probably (laughs) merch and yeah yeah but i mean so like the movie generally worked better than the comic for me i still there's no story like there's no ramona's character is worse in the movie than the comics like (laughs) there's even less character there yeah um which I think is the case with most, a, a lot of the characters to yeah. some extent. Like I think Steven Stills is maybe the only one. The, like, front man. I finally yeah. sort of, like, understood who that character was in the movie that I, the whole comic. I was like, I don't really understand what's happening here. Yeah. Um, uh, but in general, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's less time and it's a movie. So, like, it's not focused. It's not trying to do character work. It's not, it's not trying to be art. It's trying to be entertainment. And, like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing it is. And, like, that, that is the thing. Um, I will say, like, I'm the person I am. So, like, without the story stuff, I, I still did feel myself like getting bored. I thought the last 30 to 40 minutes was like way, way too long. And like, I didn't, you know, it's trying to do the climax of this big story where spoilers, but like anyone could have predicted this Scott fights her last evil ex. And like, 
I don't care. Like, I just don't care about, like, the plot at all, really. I'm, yeah. I'm, like, sort of curious to know what happens, but I'm not invested. And, like, if if you're going to do plot stuff, I have to be invested. Otherwise, it's just kind of a waste of my time. Um, so, like, you know, the, the I thought the first half was much better than the second half, and the first two-thirds was much, much better than the last third. Um, but again, it, it is the thing that it is. I don't know what teen movie from the early 2000s has a good ending or does like good <laughs> storytelling. And that is the thing this is, you know, I don't know what episode of Codename Kids Next Door had like good storytelling. <laughs> and like, that's yeah. the thing this is. Um, those yeah, are my big I thoughts. Though. I didn't have, uh, really a whole lot else. I mean, I, you know, I I had notes in here that like I thought some of the cinematography was good in the sure, movie. Yeah. Uh, like there's a I, there's just a yeah, couple shots I, like Oh sure, go ahead. The I was gonna talk about the the cinematography I agree is really good in the movie. I think that was like my favorite part about the movie. Mm. Um because I think the comic is sort of trying to like mimic I don't know, a video game yeah. aesthetics. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it works super well in the comic. I don't think it's exaggerated enough in the comic to land the way the like illustrator wanted it to land. Um, but in the movie, it's both taking video game things with like the animated uh, like life bars and different things that pop up, or the like the level up one life or whatever, like different icons that pop up. But also, it like really interestingly captures the like comic book uh Mm -hmm. styling in ways that are really interesting i think like one of the ways they kind of did that was like the the way you like experience comics is frames right like there's the little boxes i don't Mm -hmm. know what they're called but you like you yeah it's like one frame at a time and like the movie managed to like capture that without making it like overdone where they would like if you wanted to see someone's reaction to it they would like put like, I'm thinking of one specifically that was, like, Knives Chow was, like, watching the band. And instead of, like, most movies would, like, move the camera a bit or, like, pan between the... And it just, like, sits on a shot of, like, her face and, like, the couch and the wall behind for, like, enough time that you can, like, get the scene and then it, like, moves on. But it, like, felt like I was reading a comic to an extent where I was, like, okay, I'm experiencing this frame and then we're moving on. Yep. I thought that was really cool um, in the movie. I think that was, like, the reason I kept watching the movie because I was like, I don't really understand what's happening with the plot, <laughs> but the the shot, like, the way it is shot is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah and, the, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, because I think that's, you know, that was one of my favorite parts also of just, like, how the movie was shot and crafted based around the comics. Yeah, the cinematographer of this movie is Bill Pope, who did um, all three Matrix movies and also did, like, the last two Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Interesting. Um, And it feels feels similar to those. Like, when I looked that up, I was like, I can see that. In the way that it shoots both the action scenes and the character stuff, like, it, it just so feels like an early 2000s movie. Yeah, so strongly from from the music to the tone to the language to the cinematography stuff like it it really is in that wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Cozy, I don't know if you had anything else that you wanted to add here. Otherwise, 
I don't have a whole lot left here. No, I just, I wanted to talk about, yeah, like the kind of the art and cinematography from between the two. Sure. That was it. Uh, Tim stole some of my other things (laughs) after we talked about it. He said some of my comments. So we talked about everything. I didn't mean to steal your thunder. Nice work, Tim. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, uh, with all of that said, Tim, uh, at the end of the day, uh, and you are free to split this up or, you know, review this however you want. Sure. But would you give my twofer of Scott Pilgrim versus the world a yeah or a nah? Sure. So before that, a story. I, as a child, was very into the Yu-Gi-Oh cartoons. Okay. Um, that was like my, you know, seven, eight-year-old cartoon of choice. Uh, like a year ago, I decided to... They're free. I guess I don't know if they're legally free, <laughs> but you can find them for free very easily online um, to, like, rewatch them. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled up like the original Yu-Gi-Oh cartoons, and I spent two or three hours watching the f- most of the first season. Um, and that was like a fun little nostalgia trip. I was like doing other things while I watched it, and that is what both this comic and movie sort of reminded me of. Was like no depth just sort of like sounds and nostalgia and noises happening um however at the end of the day the comic like i said i just didn't find like the humor good and like reading takes so much more effort for for Mm -hmm. that amount of return for the return i get is just sort of like oh, that's nostalgic, or like, oh, that's sort of, that's a reference I know, to require four to six hours, whatever I spent, of, like, reading just focused on it is, like, not enough for me to care. Again, I, like, found myself getting bored and, like, just not being invested and feeling like I don't, I, you know, I'm basically over this by, like, the middle of the second book. So I'm a gnaw on the comic. However... The movie is basically the same thing, but it's in an hour and a half movie where like the humor is better and the I like get to it, I get to the meat and then I get out in again in like an hour and a half and by the time it got through that first hour I was kind of more or less done with it, but it doesn't linger for four more hours after that in terms of like <laughs> yeah. the amount of time I have to engage with it. So like sure. overall my experience with the movie was a uh, a I'm I'm sold on the movie. I'm a I'm a yaw on the movie. All right, I'll take it. Uh, yeah, that that totally makes sense to me. Because um, yeah, re- like reading just as an action is so much more demands so much more attention. Yeah, than, so I want more in return. And it doesn't yeah. mean I, it doesn't mean I have to. It doesn't mean it has to be like deep philosophical musings. But I want I want to. I want to be more invested. I don't want it to be... This movie was something I was, like, kind of doing other stuff while I was watching it. I wasn't, mm-hmm. like, doing work. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing something that required a ton of focus, but I, like, had it you're up on one screen, manager. and I was... Yeah, I was going to say, no, you're, you're saying this uh, so that your uh, boss, who's definitely listening to this podcast, <laughs> uh, knows that you definitely totally weren't working well. Oh, of just, course. Like, of watching course. a movie instead. No, yeah, I mean, basically. <laughs> but I, I didn't... You know, I can't work while I'm watching a comic, and it didn't deserve more of my attention than half of it. (laughs) 
And so like, I think that is the, that is the core of like, this is a movie I could see if I'm drunk on an airplane watching again. And like, yeah, I will never read this comic again. <laughs> so that's, that, that's the core of it. And again, I think the quality of the movie just higher the, 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 it literally yes. took the lines I thought were shit from the comic and like made me laugh at them. And I was like, okay, so it, it is, you know, whether it is just like off the back of some very good actors, which is kind of my suspicion. Um, I'll take it. Cool. Works for me. All right, and with that, uh, we're going to pass it over to Cozy. Cozy, what do you have for our middle segment today? Um, I have a life hack to share. Ooh, okay. This is a segment I'm calling Cozy's Life Hacks. It's great. It's what really very creative. I can't imagine how you came up with that title. <laughs> I know, I know. It took me a long time. Um, okay, so uh, as you guys know, we're approaching the end of the year here, uh, and... We, I guess we haven't been going that long, but like usually we do like a end of the year wrap up, pick a media of the year kind of a thing. Sure. We mm-hmm. did it last year. So I'm planning to do it again. So I guess here's a heads Spoilers. up too. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> start thinking about it. Well, last year when we went to do this, I was like trying to remember what I watched throughout the year and listened to and all the media I consumed. And I just like, I tried to like put together a list by like looking at my watch histories from different apps and my podcast app and all these things. And I was so frustrated because every app has a different way of recording the history and they're not, some of them just don't. So I was like, I feel like I'm forgetting a bunch of stuff I like consumed. And I, I, so I was like, I, next year I will like keep track of everything. And I was like trying different like ways to do this and I looked up apps and a lot of apps are like you can track movies or you could track just podcasts you could track whatever but I found an app that I really like that I want to recommend that like tracks everything so, that you could to possibly clear, want to this is not a life hack this is like a product plug I guess Correct. Uh, I mean are we getting paid you, for this no it's hmm. not a it's not an ad. I guess mm. it's just that the thing I have found that helps me track all this stuff. Because I was like, I could like make a spreadsheet, but that seems like a lot of work. Sure. Uh, and it, I, there is an app that like does this thing that I want. Uh, and it's instead of, because I have in the past like kept track of some of the stuff on like different apps and, or in like a notes app or something. And, uh, but I just found an app that makes it really easy. So I just wanted to share that it was helpful cool yeah unfortunately tim we're only getting the ad revenue for marvel snap on this one so <laughs> that's fine <laughs> i'll take more of that disney cash cow <laughs> okay so the app is called sofa sofa like the couch okay. yes like the couch got it um and so i I personally really like this app. Uh, I think, again, because it lets me... You can have, like, unlimited lists and, like, unlimited categories. Uh, For example, I have media stuff that you would, like, think of, like, movies and uh, podcasts and books and stuff. But I also have, like, board games, which seems kind of random. um, But is let me put that in there. And there's, like, really good search features for it. So if there's, like, a show I want to watch, I can, like, really easily, like... Um, like the search is pretty good that I can find it. I don't have to like 
type out everything by hand it'll like go like find it for me kind of a thing mm-hmm. if that makes sense like you can mm-hmm. search media and it'll like find them so it has it, like can... logged into a database all of yeah. the media yes right interesting um and then you can also log stuff to um like once you watch it you can log it to like you can just say like i watched this today or whatever or yesterday or whatever you could tell it what day you watched it and it'll like put it in a list so i have a list of things i want to like watch or listen to or whatever but i also have a list of like what i listen listen to watch whatever this year and i also have like um I think for the most part, the free version of the app, you can do like all of that. You can like make the list, you can log it to activity. There's like hmm. a couple extra features you get for like paying a little bit, um, which I paid for the extra features because I'm a nerd and I it like, gives you like <laughs> stats of like how many books and video games and stuff you listen to this year, but it'll still log them if you have the free version of the app and you still get like unlimited amount of stuff you can put on the list. It's just like you get more um, nerdy features if you uh, subscribe to the app. This does actually sound pretty interesting. Uh, I did go and look up the app here, and I will uh, note one fatal flaw, and that is that it is for iPhones only on Android. But it does look cool. Uh, (laughs) It looks looks useful. Um, Just in terms of, like, organizing stuff that I... Because even for, like, this podcast like thinking of things to pitch to tim like i have a note on my phone of like things that i have pitched and things that i might pitch in the future Uh but like having it organized in a nicer interface does seem like it might be a good idea yeah i just have a list at the bottom of a google doc (laughs) right well and like I had thought about, I have, like, a notebook. I write lots of different lists and stuff in. So I was like, well, I could write it in there. But, like, that, for whatever reason, just takes more time than I'm ever going to do. So I've, like, (laughs) tried to keep lists of, like, track podcasts I listen to in there. Like, write a little snippet about what I like about it. But I never, ever go back to do it. (laughs) I'll, like, set up the list (laughs) and then never, ever write one podcast on it. Um, So I I found this to be a lot easier because it's, like, it's two seconds I can like go in and like put in a right when I like hear about a podcast I want to listen to I can go in and like put it in the app and I have like categories for my podcast of like fiction ones I want to listen to or like um documentary ones I want to listen to so like I can and then I have like separate lists for like what I've already listened to so like I it makes it so much easier to like keep track of like what I'm interested in and like where even like where I heard about stuff and like um how I want to like it just makes it easier too when I'm like looking for a podcast to listen to. I'm like, I remember like hearing about so many of them and it's so hard to remember like which ones are which category and what would be like the right mood for what I'm like looking for. And this lets me like make so many like almost like playlists of things I want to listen to. So um, it makes it a lot easier to like find a media to like listen or to watch or listen to or whatever. Yeah, and it is actually nice that it, you know, would combine all of them together. Because, like, yeah. you know, the I've used a site called My Anime List in the past that is mm. this st- strictly for anime, where you can, yeah. you know, it has added features of, like, you can review them and see other people's reviews. But, like, I pretty much solely have used it for, like, tracking the ones I've watched and where my progress was on different ones and waiting for, like, new seasons to come out and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
But when, like, yeah, too, I think sometimes, like, people will, like, want, ask, like, what movies you've watched lately? Like, what do you mm-hmm. want? What do you recommend? And da-da-da. And I'm like, I don't, I can't even, like, think of what I watch. Like, I know we've been watching something. Like, now I can't remember what it is, but I can, like, make a little playlist that's, like, currently watching or, like, whatever. And, like, or go look at my activity and see what I recently watched and kind of, like, recommend stuff to people or... Um, and so it makes that really easy too. I think in the past I'd only seen most, like I've seen a lot of these for like books, like people's book review that people can like share and write reviews and stuff of like books. But I feel like I haven't seen a ton for like all media. So this one I found really, it seems to work really well for me and how I like to think about media. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I think the biggest flaw I can see, it seems interesting The biggest flaw I can see is I love making spreadsheets, and this feels tailor-made for a custom spreadsheet. Um, (laughs) So it being already built, I think, is a kind of a major problem. I'm sorry. It makes it too uh, easy. Yeah, it's all right. Spreadsheets are pretty fun, but uh, I would say that it looks like this probably has a slightly nicer interface than than your typical uh, Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Yeah, you gotta... Yeah, unless... It depends how, uh, how... good your conditional formatting game is i think that's that's fair (laughs) yeah true 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 all right well that was all i had i just wanted to share as we're as if other people are approaching the end of the year and like what did i listen to this year um here's an app i really like that helps me track all of this well i may uh i may try to see if there's any alternatives on android it feels like it would be less useful if i put it on our ipad because my iPad is not constantly in my pocket. In your pocket, yeah. <laughs> and where I listen to podcasts and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. But yeah, for anyone who has an iPhone, it does uh, sound like it's pretty cool. Yeah. So thanks, Cozy. Yeah. All right, now I'm going to pass it over to Tim. Tim, what do you have to pitch for me for next episode? Yes. So part of what I like about doing this podcast with you, Cody, is that we have very different taste in things. Um, And so you just pitched me something that is like very simple, very (laughs) straightforward. Yes. Like, you know, not a lot of frills, easy to consume, not very emotionally taxing anyway. Um, I've decided to overcorrect back around as far as i can um okay <clears throat> so I, I have three questions with you because i have no idea if you are aware of this have you heard of a musician named phil elverum not once great have you heard of a musician called the microphones mm, i know of i know a microphone great but uh, you, like you know what microphones are <laughs> yeah fantastic <laughs> And then have you heard of a uh, music artist named Mount Erie? That one sounds more familiar. Okay. I can't say I've listened to any music from Mount Erie, but... Uh, okay, perfect. I just I've at least sure heard you, the name. I just want to make sure you hadn't listened to it. This is all the same person, for the record. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> these are all music projects by Phil Elvrum. So Phil Elvrum is a guy uh, from the Pacific Northwest who's... I, I don't know if born, but he's from Washington. Um, he started making music in the, like, in the 90s. Uh, I also started thinking about this because of Scott Pilgrim. It I think the, um, he started making music under the name The Microphones in the 90s. 
he's kind of famous for being like a your favorite band's favorite band kind of artist. His music, okay. uh, especially when he was starting out as the Microphones, and then in the early Mount Erie days, are it's very kind of like. It's like rock, but it's very discordant. It's kind of it's like off tempo. It like jolts back and forth. There's like discordant noises. There's like weird instruments that pull in and out. It's like very experimental and very sort of like weird. He sings as well. He like he like plays all the instruments himself and then sings also. Not a great singer, um, but like it just kind of works. Uh, his big, so I'm going to pitch you four albums, two uh, under his surname, The Microphones, or a pseudonym, The Microphones, and two under a uh, another name, Mount Erie. Um, but his big sort of like breakout, that is not actually a big breakout. He's not a, not many people listen to The Microphones or Mount Erie, but like the thing that got him notoriety and the thing that made him influential as an album that came out on September 11th, 2001, called The Glow Part 2. Uh, okay. There's no The Glow Part 1 that I'm aware of. Um, <laughs> okay. But I think, like, I wanted to pitch that to you because it is, it is like, the introduction to, like, his sound. And, like, his... It, it will evolve. He, he... In 2005, he starts... He comes out with an album. Actually, I think it was 2003... He came out with an album under the microphone's name called Mount Erie, and then he started recording music in 2005 just as an artist named Mount Erie. Okay. Um, but in general, it's sort of his style. The Glow Part 2 is a good... I, I like it. Like I think it's really compelling, and it's good to listen to. Um, but I'm pitching it mostly so you can see where he starts from. Um he then switches over to Mount Erie. His music stays pretty similar. Mount Erie is a little bit more like atmospheric. It's a little bit there's like bigger sounds. It feels it feels bigger. It's hard it's hard I don't really have the vocabulary to like give you intense music critic analysis. Sure. The important thing to know is he stayed making music as Mount Erie for a long time. Um he sort of grew up. He was in his 20s. He was born in 78. So when the Glow Part 2 came out, he would have been 23 or something like that. Um, and he sort of, like, grew up. He learned more about music. He got married to a French-Canadian artist uh, named Genevieve Castray. Or Genevieve. Genevieve Castray. Uh, she also made music and, like, made comics and did poetry. And they lived this sort of, like weird kind of like hippie life together um they had a child in 2003 or 2000 okay that's fully wrong let me get this right quickly because the timeline is vaguely important okay they had a kid together in 2016 uh they got married in 2016 had a kid a daughter in 2016 um, uh, no, sorry. They got married in 2004. Okay, I'm so wrong. And they had their so first kid things. in 2015. Okay. 2015. Um, thank you. So they had a daughter <laughs> in 2015. Um, four months after their daughter was born, Genevieve Kestre was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. 
uh, and she would die about a year later. Um, okay. The second album I'm going to pitch you is a Mount Erie album that came out in 2017 called A Crow Looked At Me. Um, a long time ago, I teed up the most devastating piece of media that I could pitch you. Um, this is it. A Crow Looked At Me is an album of what Phil Elvram has described as being barely music that he wrote and performed and recorded using her instruments in the room she died in in the like days and weeks after her death uh and it okay. is ha- haunting it is not like any other piece of music i've ever listened to um it is beautiful and sad and it feels constantly like it's something you shouldn't be listening to yeah like it's too raw and too you're sort of like i don't know if this is the right way for you to be processing these feelings like it's it's so bleak because it's not about like the first song is him being like, this is fucking stupid. Like, nobody should be making music about this. It's not romantic. It's not good. This is just awful, and it's awful, and everything's awful. And then the song ends. And, like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's like I said, it's haunting and beautiful, and I, like, have a lot of affection for it, but it's, it's a lot. It's a lot yeah. to get through. So that's album two. Okay. <laughs> uh, album three comes out a year later, still under Mount Erie. Okay. The title is Now Only, and it is, it's uh, a, a sequel, basically. It's like, here's, here is another sort of concept album a year after A Crow Looked at Me about the impact. Because a, a Crow Looked at Me became, like, his most successful work since A Glow Part Two. Yeah. Um, and so, like, about the impact of, like making a career off of your wife's death and about like healing and about like the sadness that comes with healing because like as you heal it means you're getting over your wife's death and that in of itself is like a sad thing um and so it's i i think it's a super super fascinating follow-up it is more like music whereas a crow looked at me is more like it's hard to describe. Um, so again, I love both of these albums. They, I like, yeah. go back to them frequently. I also frequently don't listen to them because they are so raw and right. brutal. Uh, so enjoy. Uh, uh, those are last album. Okay. <clears throat> so those are, those are the two. There's a glow part two from the microphones. A crow looked at me and now only, which are kind of a pair and yep. then in 2020, he returned to the microphone's name and came out with kind of an album. It is one 45-minute track okay. uh, called Microphones in 2020. And it is just sort of like his musings about his life. And like looking back, he then, oh, uh, additional context, after Now Only came out, he would enter a relationship with 
uh, Michelle Williams, who is an actress. Uh, she was married, or I guess not married, but was in a relationship with Heath Ledger when he died. Um, she was the love interest in Manchester by the Sea, which I've pitched in the past. Okay. Uh, so after Now Only, he gets married to Michelle Williams and then divorces Michelle Williams a year later. And then in 2020 comes out with this album called Microphones in 2020. And it is like a retrospective look from him at his career. And it's much more in the style of the microphones. And it's just a super fascinating. I think, I think like these bookends of the glow part two being like his breakout. And then like a crow looked at me and now only being like this super vulnerable chronicling of the worst period of his life. Yeah. To like a look back at them through this weird experimental 45 minute song is just a, I have a lot of fondness for it. It's not easy to listen. It's not pleasant. Bop your head to it, especially the Mount Erie albums. Uh, But I love them and I'm super excited to see what you think about them. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Weird to say like, I'm looking forward to <laughs> listening <laughs> to them in a sense. I mean, um, so I'm, when this album came out, a lot of the like reviews of a crow looked at me are like, I feel bad writing a review. This yeah. feels bad. So right. I understand that when I ask you if you're going to yaw or nah, <laughs> it's going to feel bad. For me yeah. and you, I just want you to know right. I'm here with you in this moment of, yes, it is, it's weird. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm here for it. I, I think I'm having, like, such a hard time even picturing, like, what the, what this will sound and be like. Uh-huh. Just given how, like, different I'm sure it will be. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in that sense to see, like, the progression. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we will, uh, (laughs) we'll come back in a couple weeks with my thoughts on these four albums from Phil Elverham. Nice. Yes. I'm excited to talk about them. Uh, And we'll see if I am when we get there. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. All right, and that's going to do it for us this week on Hard Sell. Thank you for listening to us this week. Uh, remember us to drop a rating. Remember, remember, remember. us to drop a rating. <laughs> yeah. Remember us to drop a rating for us. Right. I think, I feel like I've done that almost think, same thing before. I vaguely uh, I don't, think so. I don't know how I keep doing that. Uh, but anyway, remember to drop a rating and review of us wherever you find your podcasts. Um, you can follow us on Twitter if it hasn't burned down yet at hard sell show. Uh, you can send us an email at hard sell show at gmail.com. We sometimes stream on Twitch at hard sell show. Uh, and until next time, we'll catch you on the flippity flop. Catch you on the flippity flop.